Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 272. My first step was anxiety. And then my second step was anxiety. My third step was anxiety. Why were you anxious? You hadn't done anything yet. Exactly. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for being here with me today. Before we get into the show, one quick announcement. I continue to hear from a number of you asking about how to get into Makers MBA. So this is a program that's created to take a brand new business dreamer from concept to profitable business in a proven step-by-step manner. And it's open once a year. So the next possibility to get into it is 2021. But I'm hearing you because the truth is, even when you have a business up and running, things can get messy and important foundational elements like websites and email marketing can be forgotten or never set up in the first place because you're busy. So I created a new option for you, my established business listeners who have been running your business for two years or more. It's called Makers MBA Accelerator, and it fast tracks you to a specific area of your business that you know needs attention, but you haven't had the time to focus on it. This comes at a perfect time as you start to prep for the all-important holiday season, particularly this year. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, head over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash makersmba. There you'll see a link for established businesses. Just click on that. I ask you a couple of questions and you can be in Makers MBA Accelerator quickly from there. Let's talk now about this week's show. If I were to tell you a young man recently out of school would have a passion and interest in snail mail, much less greeting cards, you'd probably think I was crazy. Well, I am kind of crazy, but that's beside the point. Alex, the hero of this story, is taking things we already know and, to be honest, may think of as part of the past and reinventing them in an entirely new and exciting way. He's making waves in the greeting card industry and beyond. Make sure to stay until the end to hear the impressive vision he has for the future. It blew me away. Okay, I'm opening the envelope and revealing all. Today, I can't wait to introduce you to Alex Krakowski. Alex is the founder of a greeting card startup called Talinga, which actually began when he was pursuing his MBA at Rice University. After graduating and entering the workforce, Alex noticed that his free time was slipping away, along with his relationships with friends and family. So, to keep in touch, he started snail mailing them literary artisanal work in the form of letters. 
He would draw pictures in story form and mail them out to loved ones piece by piece over time. So imagine a comic with images being taken apart page by page, and then those pages sent out one by one throughout weeks or even months. For his friends and family, it was a way to stay connected and create fun, personalized stories. They would look forward to checking their mailboxes every day and enjoyed the stories because they were always goofy, sent over time, and big bonus, Alex's family and friends were the main characters in their own personalized mailbox movie. From there, Talinga was born. Alex, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. That was quite the intro, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. I am very grateful for being here. I am thrilled to have you on, and we get a lot of people who are interested in being on the show, and I have to look and see if they fit with the audience, you know, all that type of thing. I looked at your website, and I was enthralled. Like, this was so cool, so unique. I am really, really excited to hear your whole story. So, yay, you're here. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. So I have a big smile on my face, and you're making my face a little bit red right now with all the compliments (laughs) at a time that I desperately need them. So thank you, Sue. Aw, we all can use a little bit of that right now, I guess, right? Sure. Well, let's start out in our traditional way. I know that this made you have to think for a second, but I like to have our guests share with us a little bit about themselves by way of a motivational candle. So if you were to tell me a color that resonates with you and a quote that you would put on a candle, if you were creating one that spoke all about you, what would your candle look like, Alex? So I'm going to answer in a way that maybe none of your podcast members have answered before, I'm going to say that my candle burns in two different colors. And I think that with people that come on, there's many different personalities. And then even within the podcast member that comes on, they sometimes are at an extreme high, sometimes they're an extreme low. So I think for me and for all of your listeners that are entrepreneurs can completely attest and agree with this is I think I burn two colors. One is an extreme white, light yellow. And that's because I'm an extreme optimist sometimes. And that's the way that I have to be to, to keep moving things forward. But then there's days or times that I'm kind of almost like a dark black where things are a little bit lonely and sad. And I think that the motivational quote behind the dark black light is you have to grind to shine is what I like to say. You have to keep grinding to keep shining, right? And what that means is whenever things are black and looking down and looking bad, you have to keep persevering and working through them to kind of take that black light and turn into a lighter color where it can eventually turn into that bright white light yellow, right? And then with the uh, bright yellow, I would say that the motivational sides of that, it's, it's kind of fun to do the impossible, right? And Walt Disney said that that might be kind of a cliche quote, but to me, it means that I always like to put a lot on my plate and for the stuff that I think is dang near impossible to complete, as long as I keep pushing and moving forward, I'm usually able to complete those things in one way or another. So to be an extreme optimist with that bright yellow light pair with the Walt Disney quote. So I think that I kind of shine in two different colors for that question. I think we can all relate to that. Anyone who's an entrepreneur starting something new like that definitely has those two sides, hopefully more the yellow than the black, (laughs) right? Sure. But you would also note, I don't know if you've seen my podcast logo, it's totally bright yellow and black. (laughs) So when you were saying that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) I nailed it. Nailed the answer there. You nail it as long as it's resonating with you. And like it made 100% total sense to me. And I'm a super positive person just by nature also. So yellow dominates, but it would be so nice if we could just stay away from those black times. Uh, I know. Not reality. (laughs) 
<laughs> you have to go through the sour to get to the sweet. And I think that's what entrepreneurship is all about. It's not for the faint hearted. It's for those that are tough and it's easier said than done. And whenever you're actually going through it and you're going through those dark times, you got to grind your way out of it as best you possibly can. And I think that there's some listeners out there right now that are shaking their heads and smiling and completely agreeing with what I have to say right now. Totally. What I'll also say, and I'd be curious about your thoughts on this as well, is it's during those dark times when most people quit, when it's a right. struggle, when they reach a challenge. I think for a lot of us, it's the tech part of some of the things we're trying to do. Oh, yeah. It starts to get almost too overwhelming. And this is when you really want to plow through because if you think about it, most people fall off then. So if you can get through that, I'm almost thinking of like a race, like hurdles or something. If people fall off certain hurdles, there are less people coming to the finish line, which means less competition for you when you actually reach the line, get your business started, get that new product out, whatever it is for you. So it's worth getting through these dark times is the point. Yeah. And I think that, like I said earlier, it's a necessary evil because I feel like that you need to go through that sour to really appreciate the sweet. And there's no sweet without the sour, right? And if things just come easily to you, then is that meaningful? Is that impactful to you? And I think that overcoming those hurdles is part of the process. And the process is so super important, not in terms of personal growth and overall learning experience, but I feel like that you need to have those moments. So then at the end of it, whatever success, however you define success, whatever that looks like to you, that whenever you do achieve that, you can look back at where you first started and then reflect on where you are and see how far you've come. And I think that moment right there, and, and it happens, and I've hit certain milestones since I launched Slinga, and we'll talk more about that here in a little bit, but I've hit certain milestones now where I look back and thought to myself months before, years before, oh my gosh, like, I never thought I could achieve that myself. And I just kept my nose at the grindstone. I was able to do that. So I feel like that part of hardship, and I don't want to go so far as the saying going through depression, but like going through a hardship, hardships is part of the process. And it's part of that sour to ultimately appreciate the sweet. I agree. And it's so often, you know, we're always going for that next step. And so sometimes we forget to go back and celebrate and really recognize how far we've come. Sure. Because we're just always striving to go forward, 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 forward. But instead of going forward right now, I want to go back and talk to me about what happened after you graduated. I didn't include in the intro some of the other jobs you had. So I'd like you to quickly go through there. And then we're going to talk all about your business development. Sure. So after I graduated uh, from my MBA at Rice University, I was thrilled really upon graduating because while I was obtaining my MBA, I also had a full-time job in my career that I currently have. But I was thrilled because I didn't have the workload of 20 to 30 extra hours a week of MBA academics on top of my normal career workload and that I kind of had that monkey off my back. So now I felt like a superhero pretty much because now I didn't have to worry about that extreme workload. So I continued on my career that I currently have and continued to work on my startup on the side, what little hours I had left over in the day. Okay. So, but you also worked for other people for a while too, right? Or you worked other businesses. Right. Yes. And I, I currently work for quote unquote other people right now. I, I'm in the corporate world and so I still have a full-time job slash career and I launched and am growing Talinka as kind of like a side hustle slash startup company on the side with what little hours I've left over. So I am doing both currently. Uh, my workload is intense, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, perfect. That's perfect because so many of our listeners are doing the same thing. This is something that I think is 
a really smart move, growing and building on the side versus, you know how people will say, oh, just quit your other job and jump in and then it'll have to be a success. I think that's so stressful when you're doing it that way. You're putting yourself up for risk and it's just like, I much prefer what you're talking about where you have some income, you have some stability and you're able to start building something of your own also. So that's perfect. But okay, so now that I know that, let's just get into Talinga. Okay, so start with how you decided to turn this into an actual business. Like, when did that come about? Sure. So roughly three years ago, I decided to go back to school and obtain my MBA from Rice University. About a year into the program, I was inundated, overwhelmed with work. It must have been midnight on like a Tuesday. I was studying for an accounting exam. And I got really tired of work, extremely bored with what I was studying. And I was like, what am I doing here? You know, it's midnight on a Tuesday. And I realized like I have a full-time job and I'm getting my MBA with an intense workload and I really have no time for friends or family anymore. So taking a step back from there, even I've always been a huge fan of snail mail. Whenever I was in sixth grade, my English teacher said that she used to write letters to her mom and they used to exchange letters back and forth as a way to keep in touch. And at that time, back then, whenever I was 11, 12 years old, people were still writing letters to each other, but there wasn't the digital or social media experience that we have today in the world that we live in today, right? So I thought it was really cool that she used to exchange letters with her mom, a unique way to keep in touch, right? So right after I heard that from me being in sixth grade, I started writing letters to my grandma, right? And so I started writing letters back and forth. And it was fun. We did that for roughly two years or so. And then from there, I used to exchange letters with people while I was in college, right? So I've always been like a really big fan of snail mail. I've always looked forward to getting greeting card in the mail, Sports Illustrated in the mail. So with that kind of love of the traditional mailbox, I started thinking, man, I don't see my friends or family anymore. I'm constantly studying midnight on a Tuesday accounting exam I'm studying for. Nothing seems to stick anymore. I need to take a break, right? So what I did is I drew little stickman drawings of two prior experiences before in my life, and I sent them off one to my mom and then one to my brother via snail mass and envelopes in my car, had some stamps in my car, and then I sent them off as kind of me being stressed out and wanting to take a break from my work. And one of the drawings was reminiscing a period from my past with my mom. And this is kind of hard to follow, but I'm hoping your listeners can understand where I'm coming from here. But whenever I was growing up, the first Star Wars movie, Phantom Menace, it was a huge movie at the time. And one of the characters, uh, Natalie Portman, played Queen Amidala. And so my mom watched it with my brother and I at the movie theater. I think we went opening day. And my mom afterwards, in a way to get us to do chores and for us to keep to our studies, she said, you listen to me, I'm Queen Mamadala. So instead of Queen Amadala, she nicknamed herself <laughs> Queen Mamadala. I love that. <laughs> and then we laughed one time, but then like... It became a thing probably. Yeah, it became a thing because she kept saying it over and over again. And maybe there was a diminishing return on the comedy there <laughs> because <laughs> she kept saying it over and over again. So I drew a little stickman drawing of reminiscing her saying that and her dressed up as a queen. I sent it off to my mom. And then the other incident was with my brother. We were growing up. I was, I think, 16 at the time. He was 18. He was a senior in high school. We went up to Wisconsin to visit some relatives, and we're at the Kansas City Chiefs training camp. And one of our favorite players growing up was Tony Gonzalez, just tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs at the time. And keep in mind, my brother is 18 years old. He pretty much has chest hair, facial hair. He's almost full grown man about to go off to college, right? 
whenever Tony Gonzalez comes out of the locker room, he in the most childlike voice goes, Tony, 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 can you please sign my ball? I came all the way from Houston, Texas for you to sign my ball. Please, please, please. <laughs> it's, it's kind of one of those had to be there type stories because it blew me away, blew my parents away. They were standing by like, where did that little childlike voice come from? You're like almost an adult male. Like, what are you doing? And it was the most cringeworthy thing. It was just the worst <laughs> thing in the world to hear. And like, oh my God, you're like an adult man. Like you shouldn't sound like that. And so we all gave him a hard time for that. So I drew a stick figure picture drawing of him trying to reminisce that period from as much as possible because I wanted them to go and check their mailbox and to receive it and it to be a different form of message or receiving something from someone. I've really put a smile on their face as a way to kind of keep in touch with them. So they absolutely loved it. Some days go by. I'm in one of my classes at Rice. I tell one of my friends what I did. And that friend actually told me, hey, maybe you should turn this into a business, right? And so that's essentially the birth of Talinga. And Talinga stands for telling a story. And what we do is we create epistolary greeting cards that tell people's unique stories. That is so cool. Do you think that if your friend wouldn't have said that, you would have ever come to the idea? I don't think so, because I just wasn't thinking about it that way. While I was getting my MBA, everything was so much bigger than sending letters or greeting cards in the mail. Everything was very corporate, so to speak, of getting that next position in your current career and getting in the next spot. Or if you're to start a company, start something, another electric car company or something way what people would perceive as bigger. So absolutely not. It did not cross my mind at all. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, that happened to me too. It was my husband who had to say, why don't you go into business yourself? <laughs> you know, I had been coaching people forever on the corporate side. And so when I stopped, it was the same thing. And I think it's similar with our listeners too. They don't necessarily, you know, if they make things, you know, they're creators, handmade creators, the idea doesn't necessarily come to them themselves that they're capable of doing what other people have seen them do. So this is kind of a heads up to anybody who's listening who's had anybody ever say to you, hey, maybe you should start selling that. It's such a great product. I love it. You should think about turning it into a business because you can see here where other people have had that experience and it's been successful. So I love that that was your story, Alex. So what then did you do? You thought about it and obviously considered it to be a good idea. What was your first step to actually forming a business around this? My first step was anxiety. And then my <laughs> second step was anxiety. My third step was anxiety. Why were you anxious? You hadn't done anything yet. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I was anxious is because I haven't done anything yet. I've never started a company before. I've never done any of the immediate things that I thought that I would need to do upon launching the company. Not to mention I had a full workload with my career. And then on top of that, I was getting my MBA. So I have two major things going on already. And then how do I launch a company coming to, to be that third thing in my life? But so why did you decide you needed to do it then versus waiting like until you were done with your degree? Were you that excited about it or? I was that excited about it, but I just had an entrepreneurial kind of itch that I needed to scratch. And Rice's entrepreneurship program is for whatever it's worth to your listeners, ranked number one in the nation. There's a very strong entrepreneurship program. And I was constantly immersed within the program with other entrepreneurs, as well as the academics behind it, and almost being consistently bombarded by entrepreneurship at Rice. So I've always kind of had this itch that I've wanted to scratch with entrepreneurship. And then I paired that with getting my MBA from a really strong entrepreneurship school. And then you pair both of those things with the fact that I really love the idea. And I thought, 
ultimately, this is a simple idea. I'm not creating a cure for cancer. You know, as I mentioned, I'm not creating another electric car company. This is a simple enough idea that I could perhaps execute on this, at least starting by myself and having a full career workload paired with an MBA workload that I could actually do this, right? So as far as getting started, it's just anxiety because even though it's not some big grandiose idea, as I mentioned, there's still a huge learning curve and I've never done this before. And so I just started trying to tackle things, right? I knew that I wanted to have a website. I started doing research, tons of research, tons of research. What were you researching? Just researching A, you know, if anyone's currently doing this in what epistolary is a literary art form in the form of letters being sent through the mail, uh, Dracula, Brent Oakenstein. Did you know that word when you started out or you found that in your research? <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. And I'm sure a lot of you're listening to because I mean, it's, it's a thing. People know epistolary. I did not know that. And so uh, I didn't know it. Yeah, exactly. So Epistolary is a thing. And then I started researching Epistolary, if there's any companies currently doing it. I started researching other greeting card companies. I started researching like where this could be a fit, right? And I had a certain vision for it whenever I first started. And it's definitely changed since whenever I first started. But just started doing a bunch of research on kind of the landscape of, of different industries and if anyone's doing it and where it would fit. And then on top of that, I started researching you know, how am I going to be able to build a website and how am I going to generate traffic? Where am I going to find the artists? What style are they going to draw on? How are operations going to look? Accounting, finance, all the business functions that an entrepreneurship has to take on. I started just kind of thinking and researching all those things. And then I just started building a list and tackling one thing at a time. And if I knew back then what I knew now, it's, it's just I say that and I shrug my shoulders at the same time and close my eyes and think, it's been, even though this is an epistolary greeting card company in what was seemingly simple to launch and grow at the time, roughly two years ago, it's been so much more work than I anticipated since then. But so I started doing all this research. Essentially, I started to kind of morph this product and started to kind of build on it slowly over time. Okay. What would you say to somebody now, you were just mentioning if I would have only known back then. Well, back then, first of all, isn't that long ago. It's just two years ago. But what would you say to yourself that you wish you would have done differently at this point? Like, I'm thinking for people, Alex, who are just thinking of starting out, do you have any tips right here at this beginning point of something you would have done differently? By no means am I an expert or a teacher, but... You're an expert on your situation, though. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sue. You brought up a point earlier, the tech side, right? Early in the podcast. The way that I look at it now is A, I would find a co-founder, right? I did not have a co-founder in launch. I think it's so super important to have another person launching a company with you because you have all of these ideas and opinions and thoughts about where you want to take the company and how you want to do it, how you want to execute. But I think it's so important to have someone that has maybe contrasting skills as yours or just anyone else really to help field your opinions and ideas and thoughts and then build on those and then develop new ones, right? So that's one huge mistake that I made is not having a co-founder. And the way that I look at it, is I learned in grad school, you're supposed to have this hipster, right? And you're supposed to have a hacker and you're supposed to have a hustler. So kind of start with three people. What I mean by that is the hipster is kind of the visionary and, and the thought leader and where they want to take the brand and what the brand is and where they want to take it. The hacker is essentially the, the coder, the programming, the tech person, which I thought, which I so desperately need now and definitely needed back then. And then the hustler, right? The salesman. And that's more of who I am. It's kind of the hustler slash hipster. And I kind of lack those hacking skills, but the hustler, the salesman to go out, acquire leads, acquire sales, build SEO uh, factors. So I think starting not just with maybe one co-founder, but starting with three people, the hustler, the hipster and the hacker, I think is super important. 
Interesting. Yeah, if you can. I mean, a lot of people do just start as one and have to play all the roles and eventually gravitate into what is the most comfortable for them. That's what I mean. I think I think that like I know that I've definitely stunted my acceleration and growth for doing that. But I think about this daily, Sue, and I think about why I lost the company by myself is because I didn't want to, I was kind of foolish. If I went back in time, would I do that again? I'd be 50-50. Why? I just gave your listeners advice that I would do that. But there's also a part of me, maybe half of me that wouldn't do that. Why? Because I feel like it's so important that you have a lot of listeners. You've had a lot of people on your podcast that you said that would not, or that have had to do it by themselves. And I think that's super important because you're learning all the facets of what it takes to get the job done, right? You're learning all your business functions. You're learning your business. You're not delegating it out. So since you understand your business, then you can hire later on. So for example, I didn't know anything about SEO whenever I first started. I didn't know anything about building a website. I didn't know anything about a lot of stuff that I have now learned, right? And so I feel like it's so important for people to go out and go through that hardship of learning early on. So then whenever the company does scale to a point where they have to start hiring on employees, that they can do so in a very intelligent way because they know what the business needs and they know, here's what I need from SEO. Here's what I need from a website. Here's what I need from an application. Here's what I need from whatever, because you've gone through it yourself and you know that you can't necessarily tackle due to some constraints, whether they be time or anything else, but you know what the business needs more than anyone else does. So instead of immediately just delegating out tasks, you don't even know how to manage those tasks. You don't know how to manage those people because you've never gone through it yourself. But if you've gone through building a website, you've gone through SEO, you've gone through accounting, finance, other business functions, you've gone through that suck by yourself, then you know how to manage that with the people that you do decide to hire on later in your business. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think a lot depends on just how you are as a personality too. I mean, I don't have co-founders or partners with either of my businesses, but I have an assistant who is solid gold. And she is like, Sue, if anything happens to you, do you know that I am not taking on this company? Like she doesn't want any responsibility like that, but she's loving everything she's doing. She doesn't have the skin in the game like that, especially financially. So I think, and I also like to call all the shots too with advice and all of that. So I think I really like what you're talking about is having someone else around to bounce ideas off of. Maybe that's a business coach. Maybe it's entering a program. Like we have a special program called Makers MBA for makers to help them start their business. Maybe it's someone from your chamber or a local who's also starting a business so you guys can like bounce ideas off each other. But I think having somebody else there, because let's face it, when we're looking at our own ideas all the time, everything looks great, right? Or we get stuck and we're overwhelmed. Okay, so you got things started, you did all your research, you wish you would have had someone else to bounce ideas off of. So that's really interesting and good for us to know. Talk us through where you were and what you had in place at the point you went, quote unquote, live with the business. We're coming right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. 
you can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Sure, I'll explain just briefly what the business actually is, right? So Talinga, as I mentioned, stands for telling a story. We create epistolary greeting cards that tell people's unique stories, usually love stories. And this is usually um, sent to someone as a premium greeting card or a really unique gift, right? And so let's say, Sue, you and I are best friends and I want to buy you a birthday gift, right? So I log on to Talinga.com. And then the first thing I do is I select a certain story length, whether it be a one-day story a one week story, a two week story, or a one month story. And I'll come full circle with that here in a little bit and what those story lengths are. And let's say I say Sue is an evil podcast host trying to actually take down all makers and creators and craftsmen across the globe. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> She's not really doing this from the kindness of her heart. She's not really trying to uh, do anything positive for the makers of the world. And she's really trying to take us down. Alex, I'm not liking your story. <laughs> Keep going. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. And you find this funny because I know you and I know that you do this, right? And I'm also a maker and craftsman myself. So it's funny and it's relatable to both of us because we're best friends. And then I throw your brother in there. Let's say you have a brother and I say, Sue's brother is my sidekick and we try to take you down or whatever, right? So I write a description and then I upload a photo of your brother, upload a photo of me and then you, and then I hit submit. And then from there, it gets sent off to a team of 25 contracted artists that are located throughout the United States. And they then begin illustrating out that story on a five and a half by eight and a half size greeting card, like cardstock. They begin drawing out that story and they snail mail it out piece by piece every other day for one week, two weeks, or one month. So going back to the story lengths, the one day story is just one hand-drawn illustration. The one week story is three hand-drawn illustrations sent out every other day over one week. The two week story is six hand-drawn illustrations sent out every other day over two weeks. And the one month story is 12 illustrations sent out every other day over one month, right? So the whole point of this, and so let me get back to the story, is let's say the first part you get and you're plotting to take down all craftsmen and makers and stuff like that, right? And that's the first illustration that you receive in your mailbox. And then two days later, you receive another illustration. It's me meeting up with your brother and he's my sidekick and we're like going to go take you down or whatever. And so every other day you receive another part of that story in the mail. And it's essentially like a very personalized storybook for all ages. If you were to rip out all the pages of that personalized storybook, and you were to snail mail them out every other day for that period of time, that's what we're doing, right? And the whole point of this is to kind of tap back into the tangible, the physical, the real side of life, getting people to look forward to their, their mailbox. Everybody has a mailbox, but they're not often excited to check it anymore because it's usually filled with junk mail and bills. And you pair that with everything's email, everything's social media, everything's digitized electronic these days. That This is the anti-social media, anti-digital electronic company. And that we're trying to kind of get back into that tangible, physical, real, old school way of life. And we're trying to accomplish that really through the mailbox and be a mailbox box company and getting people at the end of a hard work day, they come home and they receive another part of the story that they're the lead character in just to put a smile on their face at the end of a day. Well, first off, who wouldn't want a story written about them, whether you're right. the evil villain or not? I don't know. Like I want my story now, right? Right. But then you can keep that. Like that's something 
it is a gift unto itself. It's a card, right? And so many of us have challenges of like, what do you do with your cards after you get them anyway, right? But now these are pictures. So you could be framing them. You could put them all together for the story or you could just keep them together as like you're saying, like its own little storybook where you're the main character. I think it's brilliant. And the reason why I position this officially as like a greeting card or an alternative greeting card is because I just think traditional greeting cards, for lack of a better word, suck, right? They're not truly personalized. They're fixed. They're cheesy. They don't say what you really want to say, right? And usually whenever I receive them, and I think 99% of your listeners would agree with me, is that whenever I receive them, I fake smile, say thank you. Maybe I pretend to put it up on the fridge for a second, but whenever that person leaves my house or leaves whatever situation I'm in, I'll take it and usually throw it away where it's almost meaningless to me because of how generic, fixed, and lame it is, right? And there's really no additional benefit after you receive it just the first time, right? You can't do anything like frame it, or you can't put it on a t-shirt or a mug, or you can't put it somewhere up in your office to remind you how unique of a gift that was where you're the lead character in, right? So I just think that greeting cards that they have with other companies and will continue to be disrupted because they need to be, because of how fixed they are in nature. Right. I mean, there are customized cards now, but they still only take it to a certain level, you are way over that with what you're doing. So what are the price ranges? You don't have to tell me for each one of the times, but like, where does it range from the least expensive, like the one day to the two months? What's your range? It's 10 to $120. Okay. So totally reasonable if you wanted to do like one card, one week, even two weeks would equal the cost of a gift. Let's say if you were sending someone a gift. It's kind of the greeting card that serves as the gift and also the greeting card at the same time. But even at $10 for the one day card, I mean, that's still extremely competitive for the premium greeting card space. And you look at other more premium greeting card offerings at the top shelf at CVS or Walgreens or some other companies currently selling more higher end greeting cards. I mean, you're looking at 10 to $15 anyways, but those greeting cards that you're purchasing, there are still 10 to 15 bucks or or that that are still fixed and have the same message. Mine is completely 100% personalized and custom. So we're really excited about that. Totally get it. I'm totally in line with your pricing. Love it. Okay, so now that we understand what the product is, what did you have in place when you got started? Let's start there. And then I have a follow up question. You had your website, obviously. Here come the artists, right? Like I got to plug in artists. Where am I going to find these artists, right? So I reached out to art organizations at Rice University as well as University of Houston. It's a Houston-based company. And I asked the presidents there, do you have any people that would be interested in this? And so they blasted it out to their people. And the response was overwhelming. I mean, I must have had 100 applications sent to me just from two different groups that I sent it out to. So, I mean, there was a real need for artists to want to get plugged into a cool new startup platform. So I needed to hire the artists, right? And then from there, what do I do with the artists, right? Like, what are they going to be illustrating on? What's that going to look like? And how is that going to be delivered? What internal platform are we going to use to communicate and to run operations on? There was just so much to consider. But like I said, it was one thing at a time. And as soon as I reached out to acquire artists and I interviewed the artists, I was like, well, what am I going to do with them now that I have them on board? And now that I have them on board, what platform are they going to be plugged into where they can communicate and post their artwork to? And then it was just one thing at a time. And like, really, it's like I had what I thought at the time, two or three more things to do. It was really like, in reality, it was like 20 to 30 things more to do. But I didn't see those 20 or 30 things to do from there. I only saw the two or three because I thought it would be a lot simpler than what it actually was. Mm -hmm. Because one thing leads to another leads to another for sure. Problems lead to other problems. So did you start with several artists 
and then get up and running and test the system to see where the holes were and other things that you had to add in? That's exactly what I did. Yep. Saw where the holes were. I had immediate friends and family obviously purchase selling stores just to give it a good test and then worked out the holes later on. Okay. So it wasn't totally perfect when you started, which is a good lesson for all of us to remember. You still got started. And sometimes you can't find the holes until you've started. It was awful. Okay. So there has to be a story. I'm not letting that statement just pass by. So what was awful? It was awful because the website functionality, like it was bad looking. And like, I didn't know how to build a website. I'm so much better at it now. And I still have a lot to learn. But the user experience for the website was awful. The artists, the way that they received orders, like, so whenever a customer submitted an order, I took that information and sent it off to an artist via text message. And then just said, hey, can you please complete this order via text message? And now we have an internal platform that obviously is automated that whenever an order comes in, it automatically gets sent out and it gets posted and then they take it and they complete the story and they upload the images. Where at the time it was just me sending out, first of all, it was a terrible user experience. The website barely worked. And then if a customer was able to complete an order on the website, that order was just taken by me and sent to an artist via text message and say, hey, can you just complete this and send out these illustrations whenever you can? And it was all done on computer paper at the time, eight and a half by 11 size piece of computer paper. Now we have nice, good premium recycled cardstock that we illustrate from with branding and a logo all over it, you know, but it was on computer paper. And it was really just a lot of guesswork. And it was me wondering if the artist was completing the story on time, what the artwork actually looked like, because I had no clue what it looked like whenever they were completing it, sent off to customers, the time that they were sending it out, that was very important for it to stay consistent with the every other day schedule. So it was all over the place. And I don't want to get into the nitty gritties of it, but mm-hmm. like yeah. ultimately it was the website and it was the process behind the order in the internal platforms that we used or, or didn't use at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was clunky and a high level of just manual activity that had to happen. But I hope you don't beat yourself up a lot about that because you had to go through that process to get to where you are now. I'm proud of my team and I'm proud of myself for having overcome that. And when you talked earlier about just wanting to give up, especially from the tech side, man, I've wanted to give up so much, but I believe in this product. I believe in the vision so much that it's keeping me pushed forward. So what did you say to yourself on those days when you, on the black days, when you wanted to give up, right? And you were just going to be over. How did you keep going? Lots of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I'm into that. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of coffee and just being a pause, like, uh, I just, I don't know. Some internal driver of mine. Just your drive, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Self-starter and me envisioning what this product could be and where it needs to be and the niche that it will be in and kind of has already placed itself in. But kind of seeing and understanding that before in the past, like I just need to get over this little hurdle here. And after I get over this little hurdle here, I'm going to have to get over this slightly bigger hurdle here. And I'm going to take it one step at a time. And I'm just going to keep moving forward, right? But it's kind of like it, when you watch like sports and you hear athletes talk about taking things one game at a time. I mean, that's so true. And it's just taking one play at a time, one game at a time, one task one challenge at a time and overcoming that and not thinking too far into the future. You kind of have the Super Bowl in mind, right? But you're not consistently thinking, I need to be at Super Bowl right now. You're just thinking, I need to have a good regular season. Once I have a good regular season, then I'll get into the playoffs. I need to have good playoffs. Playoffs will lead me to the Super Bowl, right? But not completely so fixated and stuck on the Super Bowl, but just taking everything one step, one game, one play at a time. 
And that's the approach that I took and just kind of little bite sizes at times. Yeah. So you have the overall vision, but then you work on the little tasks, each little task at hand. And each of those is a mini success too. When you've gotten that one done, then you go to the bigger one, like you said, and the bigger one. Podcast is exciting, right? We've been on podcasts before. I remember the first time we were on a podcast, I was rattled. I was so nervous. And now I feel a lot more confident talking to you and I feel comfortable and it's fun for me. Whenever I first did a podcast, I was very uncomfortable. I wasn't having fun. I was nervous. And now talking to you, Sue, this is great. And so uh, it shows the growth of me, shows the growth of the company. Mm -hmm. And there's more growth in the future for sure. So one question I know our listeners will be really interested in hearing about is how did you attract your first customers? So you're not physically anywhere, right? You're only on the website. I'm thinking, correct me if I'm wrong. Only on the website, yep. Okay. So how did you attract your first customers to even know about the website? First of all, as friends and family, we had to create content for the website. We had to create illustrations to show as examples, right? So to get my mom, dad, brother, girlfriend, all of my peers at Rice at the time, like, hey, please buy this, please buy this. And it was extremely, right now we have, let's for example, a $10 one day card, it used to be called $3. So it was extremely cheap, right? And just getting people around me to make sales, but that was fun. But obviously what matters most is to having a customer that's never, or that you don't know, order your product, right? And so I actually reached out to the Rice Thresher, which is a newspaper at uh, Rice University. And I told them what we were or trying to accomplish about our project. And they did a story on Talinga. And then once that posted, there was a sale that was made that night from a person that I've never heard of before, had no connection to any of my friends or family, nothing at all. And sometimes sales before then would come in and it'd be from someone I've never seen before. But then I later found out it was a friend of a friend or a friend of my parents or something like that, right? But then a sale came through and I did so much research just to find out that it was from someone that's not connected to me at all through any degrees of separation. That was pivotal. And then that was the most euphoric, exciting, entertaining, awesome feeling. And I later found out, I think the next day, that they had saw the article in the Rice Thresher and decided to give it a try. And I remember it was at night whenever they made the order, I was sitting in the middle of class and I couldn't sit still. I almost wanted to leave the room and do <laughs> jumping jack and push-ups because I was so pumped that, that it actually happened, right? And that's whenever the validation hit. Before then, everything leading up to that moment was kind of like, ah, oh, this is probably not going to work. This product stinks. Nobody wants this. Nobody wants me. Nobody likes this idea, whatever, you know. But whenever that sale was made, there was so much weight that was lifted off my shoulders. That monkey was essentially off my back. The sale came from a person that no one knew, no one's heard of. And it was the most amazing thing in the world. I couldn't believe it. And just so much validation came from that. That is amazing. And when that happens, then you know there's more. When that first one comes in like that, you know there can be others behind it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot has come since then. So yeah. that was kind of the start. I would say that's pretty much the launch of Talinga. Everything before then was kind of like a pilot program, test program. Okay. All right. And so now what are you doing today to attract people over to your website? I'm getting on a Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast and talking to Sue. There you go. <laughs> now, right now, uh, currently, I'm working a lot on SEO, search engine optimization. I'm currently working with a person. We're doing a lot of key things to help boost the organic rankings of Talinga. So whenever people search for key things on Google, they'll find us at the top of the search rankings, right? I also have some Google ads that are currently running out there that are generating traffic for the website. 
there's a lot of uh, word of mouth going on right now. And then I have an affiliate program where affiliates are awarded 20% of whatever sales that come through their affiliate code. There's a couple minimal things out there. And currently I'm actually talking with three or four different companies about potential partnerships, strategic partnerships that will put Talinga in a place to help their brand, but then also their brand help Talinga. And that's kind of the next big phase of sales is that I've done the SEO thing. I've done pay-per-click and Google ads. I'm on social media, all the social media platforms, and I'm maximizing those as much as I possibly can. I've realized Sling has kind of gotten to this point where I blog, but Sling has kind of gotten to this point where partnerships is kind of the name of the game. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm talking with a few companies out there to hopefully put Salinga in that white, bright yellow light we talked about earlier. Got it. So something that comes to mind, and I did not look for this specifically on your website yet, but I'm just curious, is someone who is in receipt of one of the cards or the whole series, let's say they did a whole month worth, is there a way for them to take those images and to transfer them over to other things like you had alluded to earlier? Is there a way to do that today? Absolutely. Yeah. I have a spot on the website where like you receive the physical, obviously print via that card stock I brought up earlier, but then you also receive the digital print simultaneously. So you receive both the digital and physical. And what you can do with the digital is you can go back to the Talinga website and you could put your favorite illustration or all of your illustrations if you want to. And you can put it on a mug or on a t-shirt or on apron, whatever you want to. You can go back to the Talinga website and put your favorite Talinga illustration on whatever you want to, to personalize another gift item and serve as a keepsake forever. Oh my gosh, I love that. Do you include like a gift card or the option to have a gift certificate for the recipient to be able to do that, to take their favorite? Sure. Yeah, we actually do offer gift cards. Some people don't want to tell a story. They don't want to provide a description, upload photos, but they want to provide that for someone else. So they give them the gift of a a gift card. And we have sales coming through from people that have purchased gift cards for other people that have wanted to tell their own story for themselves or to offer that as a good gift item for someone else. So we do offer the ability for customers, yes, to come back and put their digital print on whatever item they want to put it on, on the Tlinga website, as well as gift cards that they can take and gift to people in unique ways. Love your model. I love it because it's an extension of the card. So it's another way to generate revenue and just to pass on the creativity that was already done in the beginning with the first cards. Absolutely. Yep. That's fabulous. Okay. So would you say the business has been up and running for two years or three years? It's two years. Two years. Okay. It's almost two years. Yep. Okay. So look at how far you've come already in two years. It's crazy. Like really. It has. And I have to remind myself of that constantly. I have to constantly look back and be like, man, what were you just two years ago? Where are you at now? Keep pushing, Alex. Keep pushing. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you being honest and saying that because here we've been talking about how great everything is, not without the black days, right? Like things get dark and troublesome and all of that. But it's good for us to hear when there are struggles and challenges from others who from the outside look like everything's going well, because to get to that point have been challenges before. And when we're in those days when it's hard, you forget that there's the yellow later, right? There's the light later, because you just get bogged down because the darker days just feel so yucky. That they do. And there's been more dark days than light days. But the good thing is within the past, I'd say six months, there have definitely been more light days than dark days. So getting out of that dark time, the worst is in the beginning. The worst, I mean, with everything, the worst is in the beginning. But then I'm so glad we grew out of that. It felt like forever. But now I would say we are officially out of those very, very, very dark days. Okay, so 
Here's a question for you. Do you think the days were dark because of what you said to yourself? Because of the pressure, like the pressure you put on yourself and the drive to be where you're trying to go faster? That's probably half of it, right? I'd say the other half comes from me having a vision for what this product should be for a great customer experience, right? That putting the customer first and thinking about ordering a Talinga story through their eyes, for them to go to the website, for them to go through the process and then receive the cards that they receive and just creating a great customer experience that if I'm charging money for this product. I want it to be the best possible product and provide the most value to the customer. So yes, it was built on speed and where I want this platform to go, where it is now, but a lot of it is like built off and driven from the customer experience and me wanting them to have a great time. So I would say both of those things. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's leveling off and soon it's going to be the yellow is more than the black, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I love that. The theme of the podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I just kept going back to that also because I, I love, love it. it. I love actually both those colors too, to be honest. Sure. So where do you see this going from here? Yeah. So the goal is to start onboarding writers in the future. Right now, we just have artists that are illustrating out stories is that within the next three months, I really want to start onboarding like novelists, people that are writing short stories, poets, if you will, and to do like letter writing. So we're doing artists and then we also have writers to, to do both of them and to really eventually own the mailbox, right? And to be a mailbox company and we're delivering letters and we're delivering epistolary art, right? We're doing all through the mailbox. And then I want to implement a subscription program that where people can subscribe and they can say, hey, I have an anniversary here, Valentine's Day here, birthday here, whatever event that they're trying to celebrate that they can subscribe. And then on certain dates, they'll receive another part of their story, their life story, whatever story they want to tell, or they receive a, a brand new card, but to have some kind of subscription platform in place. And then I want to open this up for businesses to allow, right now we're 100% B2C. But to open this up to B2B, that uh, there's been a lot of interest from businesses that have wanted to use Talinga as thank you cards to their clients and then other ways of using the Talinga cards from a B2B perspective. So having a subscription model in place and then eventually as it scales, it's going to need to get flipped into like an Airbnb style model where artists can across the world. And we've shipped out to 36 different countries at this point, which I'm extremely proud of. It's amazing. But artists across the world can onboard themselves, quickly onboard themselves through a verification process. They can post their previous artwork or their Tolinga artwork and have their own personalized portfolio. And they can set their own pricing within limits and allow people to let the market dictate what they're worth and determine if they want to buy cards from them and to flip into an Airbnb bottle. And everyone kind of has their own little page, right? As you know, Airbnb is apartments, not like a mansion. A mansion is going to cost a lot more than an apartment, but people can very quickly onboard themselves and start renting out a space on Airbnb. So I really want to get into that. And then eventually I want to initiate really direct mail advertising partnerships. And I want to approach businesses that let's say there's a comparable business that's selling like art utensils, right? Or art materials, right? And approach like Hobby Lobby and say, hey, Hobby Lobby, you already do a direct mail advertising campaign. I will guarantee you 100% open rate. You go ahead and give me whatever advertisement brochure or marketing piece that you would normally send out in your direct mail campaign. You go ahead and give it to me and I'll instruct all the artists to put your brochure or your advertisement in the envelope and let that be another form of revenue generation, right? So everybody's going to want to open up the envelope and they're going to want to see their Talinga story that's being gifted to them. 
And then right next to that, that illustration, they receiving the envelope is going to be a Hobby Lobby or whatever Ed's art supply store brochure in the envelope, right? So bottom line, I want to do writers, number one, I want to do the subscription model, number two, with a business to business, I want to flip it into an Airbnb model and eventually get into this direct mail advertising partnership model. Okay, I'm speechless. <laughs> that is amazing, Alex. Easier said than done. At first, I was going to say, yeah, you don't have any ideas. <laughs> yeah, right, but right. that would not have given credit to everything that you just said. As I'm listening to your vision for the future, the passion that comes through in your voice gives me chills. It's just amazing. I absolutely love every single thing you said. And I am really excited for you, Alex. Thank you, Stu. It sounds amazing to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it, right? Anyone can say anything, just actually executing it. But I think all of these things I can execute. So I'm shaking my head right now and I'm feeling confident about it. And I think that is something that we can handle. Yeah. And one at a time. And you definitely know where you're going. That is for sure. That's right. Share a little bit with our listeners about where they can learn more about you. And then I was also thinking we have creators here. So if you want to give a little pitch for if you're looking for more artists or now writers, take it away. Sir, I'll start with pitch to the artists and the writers. If you are a really unique and creative artist, I would love for you to reach out to me. You can go to the Tlinga website and you can contact us on the Tlinga website. Uh, same thing for the writers. Looking to do this, I'm looking to start onboarding writers in August, September. Not necessarily doing it right now. But if you want to reach out to me right now and get in the pipeline, you'll be the first people that I contact. You can still go to the website and contact me there. Looking for anyone that's interested in poems or short stories, uh, little novels, love letters. If you think that you want to do that and you want to come on board to Linga, then go to the Tlinga.com website and reach out to us. It'd be awesome. And as far as for customers, a lot of holidays coming up on the, the latter end of the year, or if you just want to send a Talinga card to someone just to keep in touch with them in a unique way, you can visit Talinga.com. You can go through the steps to order your story. There is a discount I'd like to offer. You can get a 15% off of your order using coupon code Talinga. It's T-E-L-L-I-N-G-A, Talinga. You can use that for 15% off. And then you can also find us on social media at Talinga Stories on all the major platforms. If you'd like to tell your story with us, we would love to have you. You can reach out to us at T-E-L-L-I-N-G-A dot com. Thank you so much, Sue, for having us on. Alex, this has been absolutely wonderful. Like I said, I love the passion. I love your product, actually. Just the whole thing is so creative, yet it ties in with things we know, right? Our story the mail, greeting cards, all of that. So it's very relatable, although done in a completely different way. I am so excited to watch how you progress and what the future holds for you and Talinga. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Sue. You have a good day. You too. Are you as impressed with Alex as I am? I feel like I lit a rocket ship when I asked him about his future vision and he lifted off with his full plan. It's a lot. It's big, and I have no doubt that it will happen. Next week, we're going overseas and talking about manufacturing your product in a foreign land. Did you ever wonder about the process behind going from a product idea to actually having it in your hand? Or maybe even having your current product mass-produced because demand is increasing. 
a great problem to have, right? (laughs) We'll uncover what's behind overseas production in the show next week. Until then, a gentle reminder that subscribing and reviewing is a great way to give back and show your support for the show. I've made it much easier for you to do that now. Just go over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash review. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much to those of you who have already written a rating and review for this show. Make it a great week. Stay healthy and safe. And I'll see you again next Monday. Bye for now. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 